This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome to a brand new year of Talkback. How about that? It's Tuesday, January 2th. I'm sorry, January 2nd, 2024. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you along on Talk Back. Brought to you this morning by our wonderful sponsors, which include Y West Storage out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. Give them a call for pricing and availability in this new year at 406, obviously, 510-0590. Y West Storage, making room for you. Uh, Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts, no matter how cold it might get, Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts says whatever you need to make sure your rig starts every Every single time. Uh, located at, at in Missoula at Palmer and West Broadway, Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service. And by Phillips Janitorial. Got a brand new year ahead offering residential and commercial cleaning. And, uh, of course, no job is too big or small. That's just the way they always have been. Give them a call. 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, right across from me is the fabulous Nick Christensen. Good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning, Peter. I understand that you're a little bit blue today. I, I, I all, did all your teams lose or what? What happened? Uh, no, well, uh, I, <laughs> I think I've mentioned it on here before, but yeah, I'm a big Texas Longhorns fan. So right. yeah, last night, them uh, them losing in the semifinals was not very fun to watch. And yeah, I went right to bed after that. And now I'm here <laughs> with the bells and whistles on, ready to work. So there you go. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll put on my best face. Oh, yeah. Well, at least, at least we have a very big game to look forward to this coming Sunday. See, so. but that's the thing. Now I'm like, am I cursed? Cause I, I also play <laughs> fantasy football. I lost in my fantasy football championship. Oh so I'm just sitting here. I'm like, are the, are the Grizz next? Do things happen in threes? I, I certainly hope not. So hopefully the Grizz can win and then nothing else will matter. Cause well, let's, that's let's, priority one. Let's me, hope so. you're not setting yourself up to, to, to be blamed for whatever might happen. Oh, because put all the blame on me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to play Blame Nick. Yeah. Anyway. But no, I, I'm very excited for, for the Grizz game. And um, uh, scheduling for us on Friday, we're actually going to have Denny Bedard in studio and hopefully uh, Ace um, to kind of spend, I think we're going to spend like the full two hours talking about wow. Wow. you know how the season's been, the yeah, history yeah. of the Grizz leading up to the game and stuff. So I know our audience isn't super into when we talk about Grizz football, but it's kind of a special occasion. So Friday's episode will be a little yeah. different. But how, how many times do we get to go to the national championship? Last time was what, 2009? 2009, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's been a while. So let's pump it up, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now, I also understand that the, 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 the kids, the, the kids, the football players and everybody's going to be heading out of town by a bus. And I remember the last time we did this, we did it the same way. Uh, we had, you know, best of luck and all that sort of thing. There, there are signs that have been printed up and they want you to line the, uh, the, the, the route is going to take the bus, let's see, over the, uh, you know, away from campus over the Madison Street Bridge, all the way down Broadway, through Broadway, all the way out to the airport. And people are being asked to line the way with, you know, 
stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. pom-poms. Yes, and, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah, you said bus at first. I'm like, are they driving? I hope <laughs> not. I hope they're flying. That's a long, a that's a long, long drive. Way to Texas. Yeah. yeah, anyway. No, they're they're going to the airport, and then they're going to fly down to Frisco, Texas, who we have already talked to, the folks at Frisco, Texas. Yeah, so. yeah you did. Anyway, so uh, what's on your mind this morning, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, you want to talk about what you got for Christmas, or are you excited about the new year? Are you f- afraid about the new year? Are there things you want to talk about? This is your first opportunity of 2024 to let it all hang out on open phones. So give us a call, 721-1290. We have missed you. We've been gone a week. Do I know which buttons to push? There's only, <laughs> Let, let's there's, hear those resolutions. Let, luckily, there's only one button to push, so it's easy yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Until we get people in studio, then yeah. you, there's a couple buttons. It's the yeah. one that says, play next, <laughs> stupid. Okay, so we're, we're going to come right back. Uh, I'd like to see those. The phone lines are, are free and open. If you have something on your mind, I know you're a little out of practice. But uh, give us a call, 721-1290. It's open phones from now until 830 when we have global hotspots. In the studio with Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Freezing fog will continue to be a problem for the next few days in the valleys of western Montana as high pressure keeps valley inversions in place. We're expecting more clouds than any sun breaks through the afternoon, so daytime temperatures won't climb much above freezing. Overnight lows somewhat moderate in the low to mid-20s, although some locations could hit the mid-teens. Patterns start to change the tail end of the week with the probability of some snow, mainly in northwest Montana Thursday, but becoming more widespread by the weekend. Hey, we're back. This is Talk Back. It's open phones until 830 this morning. And then we'll have uh, Drs. Mirdad Kia and Michael Mayer joining us for Global Hotspots. And not that there's anything going on around the world. Yeah. But, <laughs> so anyway, give us a call. 721-1290 is our number. And Skip is on the line. Skip, good morning and Happy New Year, sir. And Happy New Year to you, Peter. It's, uh, it, it's amazing that I, I can't believe we're... We're here. I can't believe I'm getting this old, and you are too. I know you are. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going backwards. So, (laughs) you man, one of those pills. So, uh, when you opened the program, did you actually say January tooth? Uh, January tooth. Yes, January the tooth, two (laughs) thousand twenty-four. Haven't you ever heard that before? I, I, I guess no, but it was it it, it, it woke me up. Well, Thank there, you. Well, there you and go. I promise I won't tell anybody. Oh, no, that's all right. So, anyway, uh, I wanted to bring to light that something that, that was extensively talked about within a couple of weeks of your last program. So that would have been up to about three weeks ago. Was the special session right. that, that a few people wanted to happen? And uh, it was it was voted down. I I think that's a wonderful thing that it was voted down. Resoundingly, and, uh, resoundingly voted down. In fact, yeah. I'm sure you're aware of the statistics. And I hope as time goes on, with certain guests on, we can discuss the dynamics of that and why it was a good thing it was voted down. Well, I, and, I will I will tell you this. That. I I did a I, I wrote a story about it. Nick's going to be publishing it later today. Uh, and I I got all the statistics of the Missoula. Uh, representatives in the in the, the House and the Senate, the State House and the State Senate, how they voted, and uh, it was almost it was overwhelmingly no. There was only a couple of yes votes of, of all of the Missoula representatives. Oh, I'm not surprised. But meanwhile, uh, I I uh, I just hope that that in this you know this election cycle 
that that people go on a learning curve. Like I always say, it's education season if it's legislative season or election season. And so, um, meanwhile, that that whole that whole uh, request for a special session was really brought by the Freedom Caucus, and uh, and we need to be examining exactly what they really do when they're in the legislature and and, and some of the tactics that are seem to be more important to them than than uh, getting some things done that the people uh, can can do better like like what our, what our consummate legislators are doing to uh, make sure we have good legislation that hits the floor next January. So thank you, sir. And uh, I can't wait to hear me dad and Dr. Mears this morning because there's, there's a few things to still be discussing, I'm sure. But thank you uh, for all the stuff you guys do. Always look forward to your programming. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Skip. Appreciate that. Uh, we have time to get uh, Jeff's call on before we take a break. Jeff, good morning and Happy New Year, sir. What's on your mind? Happy New Year. Nothing wrong with saying January 2th. I hope you're one. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, real quick, you should, uh, regarding the special session voted down, it's really ironic that despite all their hysteria and histronics and uh, the uh, liberal representatives from Missoula did not want a special session to discuss the growing property tax problem. So, and they think they speak out of both sides of their mouth. Uh, it's the worst thing ever, but we don't want to work to solve it. So, uh, But what I called about was, as we begin a new year, I was reading over the holidays, and, uh, you know, for the climate, climatism and, and the religion of climatism, 150 years ago seems to be the golden time where, uh, where you know, we need to get our CO2 emissions back to where they were 150 years ago and everything will be fine. But when you look at actual weather from 150 years ago, um, there were twice as many hurricanes as we have now. Um, and 50 million, an estimated 50 million people in 1870 died from natural disasters. That went down to 500,000 in 1920, about 50,000 in 1970. And in 2020, there was an estimated 5,000 people died from natural disasters. So if that was the golden age and we're living in an age of calamity now, why have we decreased the number of people dying from natural disasters from 50 million down to 5,000? That's a very good thing to think about. Yep, I don't have an answer, but it, it just proves that, um, and this is something I've kind of uh, decided on as, a, as my own little mantra, is that settled science is not science, it's dogma. If you say it's settled, then it means you're not looking anymore. So it's become part of the religion of uh, climatism, environmentalism, uh, alarmism, if you will. They're, they're all kind of tied together, so... Um, just please, in this year, don't fall prey to all the all the alarmist statistics and everything. Um, we live, uh, having lived, you know, over 70 years now, I think we're living in the best possible times as far as anything goes. Um, I'm sure that people in Gaza and Ukraine would not agree, and I can understand that. And I, my heart goes out to all of those folks. Um, but, you know, looking globally... 
hunger is down, education is up, childhood death is up, or childhood death is down, uh, wages are going up, fewer people live in poverty, um, and and folks probably won't believe it when I say that, but uh, I don't listen to opinions. I, li- I look at the data, and the data shows that. So um, just remember how blessed we are this year to live in the country we do and have what we have. And uh, and to be able to live the lives that we live. All right, Jeff. Well said. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Phone lines are open at 721-1290. Uh, that's our number, 721-1290, Or uh, New Year's Habit. Why don't you uh, use the KGVO app? If you haven't downloaded that, that'd be a good thing to do. It's absolutely free. It takes about 10 seconds. And then you can hit that message us button, and we'll get your comment on if you can't get to the phone. So uh, phone lines are open. It's open phones for the next nine minutes until we get to Global Hotspot. So give us a call at 721-1290. You still... Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? Then we are looking for you. The big-hearted, the bold, the messy and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders. The skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities, working together, living together. Bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya. From sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo. We learn more, give more, share freely, and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff, to go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, I'll trust water bottles and a flashlight to save the day, but I'll be proved wrong. With a tornado approaching, I'll realize that I like a wheelchair accessible shelter. When the floodwaters rise, I'll be up in the attic with 20 cans of beans. It's a recipe for disaster. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Okay, welcome back. It is Talk Back. It's Open Phones. Uh, Dr. Michael Mayer joining us here in the studio, preparing as he is, and already prepared for Global Hotspots. Good morning. Morning. Happy New Year. And the same to you, sir. Happy New Year. But let's get Elena on the line. Elena, thank you for holding, ma'am. You're on Talk Back. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to every single one of you. 
I just want to tell you that I appreciate your radio show. I always did, going back years. Yes, right? ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> and um, it seems that your brother, sister, Talk Radio Montana, they've gotten really biased, one-sided, and even to this point of being rude if uh, they don't agree with you. So that's why I really appreciate you. And um, you, Peter, and Nicholas, and thank you for being there. Nicholas, wow! <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard that As one in a while. Saint that works. Nick. <laughs> could it be? Could it be Saint Nicholas? Oh. I knew there was something special about that. Kind of a glow. Around. Oh, that's his headphones. Sorry. I'm guessing that's what his mother called him when he was in trouble. That's right. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Not in trouble though. But thank you. Yeah. And um, you have a great year. All right. Well, thank you so much for the call, Elena, and happy new year to you as well. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. It's one eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. Or, or you can use the KGBO app. By the way, I do have the information here for those of you who want to give the Grizz a, a huge send off. Uh, the Grizzlies will be departing from the University Center on the UOM campus Wednesday at exactly twelve forty five p.m. And uh, the team uh, buses. Uh, will be traveling uh, through downtown Missoula via Broadway on their way to the airport. Uh, you can show your support by printing out the free We Believe poster, which is at the link above. I don't think we had that in 2009. <laughs> uh, no. No, no, no. So anyway, but uh, the, the We Believe poster is right on the, uh, if you look on the uh, University of Montana website, uh, there is a We Believe poster PDF. You can print that baby out, hold it up as the... Uh, as the team and all the team representatives are going by. So, again, that's starting at 1245 Wednesday. That's tomorrow because, you know, today is Tuesday. I'm going <laughs> to be off all week. Seem like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. This is great. It's a holiday shortened week. Yeah. Anyway, so how, how was your how was your holiday, sir? What? Uh, Very nice, thank you. How about you? Yeah, wonderful. Very relaxing. Yeah. My, my wife and I spent uh, the day yesterday... Putting all of our Christmas stuff away, and uh, we have we have a we have a system that we use, and so well we got one of those Costco trees that you pull apart and put back together again, and uh, I, they make this really cool um, kind of a uh, a carrying bag with a with a little you know trussle with it. And uh, it's it's so cool because you just put the stuff in there, strap it in, put it in the garage, and you just bring it back out next year. So, oh. yeah, I know people that uh, they look at me and go, "You have a fake tree." We have a fake tree. Yes, I love fake trees. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're probably ecologically sound or something. Well, or something like that. Anyway, so what, what's on your mind out there, ladies and gentlemen? We have two and a half more minutes of open phones. So uh, if you want to castigate me for having a fake tree. Uh, you could do that if you'd like. Uh, 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. And we will have uh, Dr. Mirdad Kia joining us here in just a few minutes uh, for Global Hotspots. And believe me, there are a lot of things to talk about. And uh, Dr. Mayer is shaking, his, is nodding his head emphatically. Yeah, there, there, there really are. Um, and, and they got hotter this morning a couple in a couple of places. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, we're just, we just seem to be treading on the edge of, uh, of catastrophe because as, as more and more tentacles are being extended, especially into the, into the Israel and Hamas, uh, conflict and more and more, um, shall we say, uh, other 
other uh, actors are getting involved. Yeah, and more and more spots springing up around the world where just, you know, sort of one bad miscalculation or not even such a major miscalculation could yeah. lead to something much larger. Yeah. I, I was <clears throat> listening. Uh, is, is that your dad on the phone? Okay. I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to take a break here in just a second. When we come back, we will have uh, global hotspots and, uh, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll take that break right now. We're exactly one minute away from 8.30, so we'll come right back and get into this very, very important topic. I know it's a little bit sobering, if you will, um, to talk about this these kind of things at, at the start of a brand new year. But, hey, that's what we're going to do. 721-1290 is our number. We'd love to have you be a part of it. We'll be right back after this timeout. Mark your calendars. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Freezing fog will continue to be a problem for the next few days in the valleys of western Montana as high pressure keeps valley inversions in place. We're expecting more clouds than any sun breaks through the afternoon, so daytime temperatures won't climb much above freezing. Overnight lows somewhat moderate in the low to mid-20s, although some locations could hit the mid-teens. Patterns start to change the tail end of the week with the probability of some snow, mainly in northwest Montana Thursday, but becoming more widespread by the weekend. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is uh, Talk Back, and we are in earnest now getting into global hotspots. I want to welcome on the phone uh, Dr. Mirdad Kia, University of Montana history professor, and here in the studio, Dr. Michael Mayer, a retired professor of history at the University of Montana as well. So, gentlemen, good morning. Uh, we have a great big bad world out there. <laughs> so uh, what, what's going on in world hotspots, gentlemen? Mirdad, you first. Good morning, uh to you, Peter and Nick, and uh, Happy New Year to both of you, to all our listeners, to this uh, wonderful community, the Missoula community, and to the entire state of Montana. Um, We are in a very uh, critical moment uh, in history, and I think uh, 2024 promises to be a very... um, I'm not sure what to call it, but how about, tumul- how, how about, tum- how about tumultuous? <laughs> A tumultuous yes, uh, yes. year coming, and uh, um, as um, Mike and I were talking about it on uh, Sunday, there's so many places we can go uh, to start this discussion, all the way from Argentina, uh, all the way, of course, to China and North Korea. Um, but I'm going to roll the dice and say that uh, once again, we might be uh, forced to start in the Middle East uh, because that's where a war is unfolding. And it does not seem to uh, be uh, disappearing from the radar. Um, and uh, it seems that though Israel has reduced its forces or is planning to reduce its forces more accurately in Gaza, uh, this conflict uh, will be uh, with us for the coming months. Um, And uh, though there are now efforts, it seems, to uh, somehow find a more long-term solution, and uh, some Palestinian figure uh, or authority uh, who can now actually establish some kind of presence in Gaza uh, post-Hamas, I think this is going to be a very long-term situation, and it's going to take uh, uh, billions of dollars and many years to 
rebuild uh, what um, is disappearing in front of our eyes. And uh, so much of it is because uh, the Gaza Strip was used for um, the worst kind of uh, political and military uh, actions by a terrorist organization, Hamas. Uh, and of course, uh, the victims are the people of Israel and those Palestinians who have suffered uh, so tremendously in the last uh, several weeks. Now, gentlemen, if, please forgive me. I, I, and I'm asking a, a, a Dr. Obvious or Captain Obvious question here. But uh, at, at what point does a conflict become a war? Because uh, I, I, I keep hearing, oh, there, there, there's war between Israel and Hamas. Or is this a conflict between Israel? Does it have to be more than two countries? Is it worldwide conflict or what? I, I'm for, please forgive me. I'm, I'm not a great student of history. Actually, what what makes it a war is a declaration, a formal declaration. Right. And uh, I suppose uh, the, the Israelis declared war after, you know, formally after they were attacked uh, on October seventh. So I, I suppose that's a, that's a war. I mean, that's usually there's a reciprocal war. Um, Hamas is the governing entity of um, of, of Gaza. They they declared war on Israel at their creation back in the 1980s and have never changed their position. So I suppose, um, I guess technically, we have more or less a war. But as Meredith was saying, the potential for that to expand, I mean, just this morning, uh, Israeli air, airstrikes hit Syrian army installations in in retaliation for rocket attacks on northern Israel. Wow. Uh, and so the chances of, of, of it expanding uh, seem to seem to be um, already, uh, always it, there. It already has. Yeah, and uh, and of course, the United States uh, took out a couple of, of Houthi boats, small boats. They they launched a couple of rock, rockets at a, at a cargo ship, and the United the United States sent a ship and some helicopters to respond. They were fired on. They 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 sunk uh, one or two. I don't know uh, a couple of the um, uh, of the Houthi ships, and as a result, uh, so, some some people on board were killed. And so there, there's always that prospect of escalation there too. Okay. Now again, uh, and Mir Dad, you might be able to help more with this yeah. as, as long, along with Dr. May, uh, Dr. Mayer. Uh, the the let, let's talk about the players here. We we're, he, we we hear about well, Hamas. We hear about Houthi. We hear about uh, all these various factions and groups. And then of course you have the Israelis. So I yep. mean, uh, is is there some coherent group that's working together on this or not? Yeah, Iran. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think <laughs> right. it's actually very coherent and very clear cut. Um, I I would say to the first to your first question, uh, building on. Mike uh, pointed out, I think this has been an ongoing war. Uh, The reason we do not hear the word war is that the folks in the White House do not want us to think that we are in a war, especially in an election year, and that uh, things are just a limited confrontation between Hamas and Israel. Um, That is not so. Uh, We are in a state of war. Uh, there are several, actually, powers uh, which are involved in the war. I think China is involved, Russia is involved, Iran is directly involved. Uh, I think that you have uh, the circle of fire that Iran created around Israel, which means Hezbollah, the party of God in Lebanon. Um, 
the Houthis, which are a terrorist organization in Yemen, uh, and then Hamas, of course, in Gaza. These are all proxies of Iran. They are armed and trained by Iran, and uh, they have been unleashed against the state of Israel. I think with some wink and nod from Beijing and Moscow uh, to also prevent uh, the focus to remain on Ukraine. And uh, I, I think both Russia and China are cheering, actually, because uh, since October 7th, uh, we have lost our uh, sort of uh, focus on the war in Ukraine and instead uh, you know, focusing on Israel and Hamas. And of course, this is where United States also becomes involved. So instead of Russia being embarrassed, it's United States, which is under pressure to respond to not only um, attacks by Hamas and Hezbollah and Yehutis, but also Iranian-sponsored attacks in the Red Sea, in the Persian Gulf, and other re- uh, other areas within the larger Middle East region. And uh, the politics uh, here in this country with, uh, uh, with the, 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 uh, the Republicans holding up aid that's supposed to be going to Israel and supposed to be going to, uh, to uh, Ukraine uh, because of the border situation. So anyway, we're, we're going to talk about all that when we come back. The phone lines are open. 721-1290 is our number. This is Global Hotspots. We'd love to have you get involved on this first talk back of 2024. Back after this. Are you ready to smell? This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hey, we are back. This is Talk Back. It's Global Hotspots. I'm Peter Christian, by the way, Nick Christensen. Producing Talk Back, taking your phone calls. Joining us on the phone, Dr. Mirdad Kia at the University of Montana here in the studio, Dr. Michael Mayer. Uh, gentlemen, I kind of muddied the waters a little bit, but please go ahead. Yeah, Mirdad made a, a really important point right before the break, which was the interconnectedness of of so many of these of, of these hotspots, um, Iran has become an arms supplier to not just Hezbollah and Hamas, but also to Russia. There's particularly drones, um, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, uh, as as they're as they're known. Uh, and, and when you think how odd it is, people for many years uh, dismissed the the prospect of uh, Sunni extremists like Hamas. And, uh, the Shiite, um, rulers of Iran getting together. But they, and, and it's true, they don't agree on a lot of stuff, but they have managed to put a lot of those differences aside. What's, what's that old expression? The enemy yeah, yeah. of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. And the unifying theme is anti-Americanism, really. Uh, and the same thing is true. Uh, Putin has positioned himself repeatedly as uh, a bulwark, uh, maybe quasi-European bul- bulwark against Islamist extremism. Uh, but somehow he's found a way to get along with a bunch of Islamist extremists, and uh, he particularly is welcome, uh, welcomes their, uh, their, their, their drones. And so uh, it, it's an odd coalition. It's one that uh, maybe theoretically some political scientists wouldn't predict but uh, it, it really has emerged, and China, as Merida said, is 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 certainly behind a lot of that. Yeah, 
And I and I think one thing that we should be very cognizant of is that um, uh, these folks, especially um, I think in China, Russia, and Iran, are are very carefully monitoring, of course, the situation in the United States and Europe. Uh, they realize that um, in Europe, especially, um, there is a pendulum swinging. Uh, to the populist right, uh, and this is this is this is a fact which is which be, which has been really taking place now for at least uh, two or three years, uh, if not more. And election after election in different parts of Europe uh, clearly shows that the the globalists are are you know losing, and uh, the more populist nationalists are. Winning, uh, you also see that now spill over into South America with the elections in Argentina. Uh, but you saw it before in the Dutch elections. You saw it even in Sweden, Finland, and so on and so forth. And the rising uh, right in France itself, uh, which has been gaining momentum, but uh, it is now a real challenge. Uh, not to mention Italy as well. But uh, having said that, I think they also realize that you have a very uh, shaky economy in this country, but also an, uh, a very critical election in 2014 with a very polarized political uh, situation in the United States and a White House which is very nervous uh, about oil prices going up, inflation going up, um, that's if there is a crisis and a war, a full-fledged war, I should say, in the Middle East, that might have an impact on the oil markets, on energy markets, and therefore the administration is doing its best uh, to actually avoid using such war, such words as wars. And, and perhaps part of the reason why they refuse to confront Iran face to face, and they are trying to. Uh, you know, if you listen to the Biden administration, uh, it's a very defensive posture. Uh, U.S. forces uh, went into action to defend shipping in the Red Sea. You know, it's very interesting language. That is, we are trying to avoid a confrontation uh, with Iran, which is basically the culprit, the Iranian government, uh, uh, and a main supporter of Hamas and Hezbollah and Houthis. So, you know, watching all this, I think it makes the Russians and the Chinese far more aggressive and far more uh, sort of on a more offensive posture uh, than one would have expected. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's particularly true that uh, following along the lines of the policy of, of the Obama administration, the Biden administration is convinced that they can make enough concessions to convince the uh, the the leaders of Iran to become rational or cooperative, and every time it seems they make concessions, the demands just go up, and the negotiations over the reentry into the uh, nuclear deal uh, that that was just so obvious that the more concessions they made, um, the the more that the Iranians demanded, and uh, the the Russian mediator was bragging. You know, we got more from we ever than we ever thought of asking for. The the, the colloquial term for that, the urban definition, if you will, was we got played. Right? Uh, yeah. Is that is that an accurate? 
description? I, I think so. Or we played ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, this, uh, it, it's, uh, I, I always refer to it in private conversation as the longest illusion, you know, that uh, U.S. foreign policy establishment, or at least a part of it, um, has, uh, has uh, cherished. That is, somehow, some way, and it started actually back in 1980s, uh, we will find some moderates yeah. in Iran with whom we can actually negotiate and reach an understanding. We are still looking for moderates. <laughs> and uh, by the way, it might be of some interest to your listeners to learn because it hasn't been really uh, um, shared in the U.S. media, but uh, extensively in Iran and in the Middle East, that uh, yesterday was... Uh, a visit by the supreme leader of Iran, uh, Ali Khamenei, to the family of uh, <clears throat> um, Qasem Soleimani, uh, whom we uh, assassinated during the uh, uh, Trump administration. And during uh, this uh, um, sort of visit by Khamenei to Soleimani's family, uh, he uttered a very interesting sentence. He said, I gave a speech, and uh, uh, Commander Soleimani was with me, and he praised me. Uh, it was one of the best speeches I gave. This is, of course, Khamenei speaking. Uh, the words uh, were coming out of my mouth, but they had originated with God. Uh, God was revealing these words through me. Um, look what we are talking. We are basically talking about somebody who is, uh, you know, uh, declaring himself to be divine. Something, by the way, that Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, never did. And with that, we're up against a break. We have Va waiting to talk with you, gentlemen. We're going to come right back uh, with more of Talkback. Several phone lines open. We will continue Global Hotspots all the way till 10 o'clock this morning. So we'd love to hear from you at 721-1290-1800-568-5309 or the KGVO app. Back Global Hotspots continuing until uh, 10 o'clock this morning. Got about seven minutes before we have to take our hard break here. So let's get Va on the line. First of all, Va, thank you for holding and Happy New Year, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, Happy New Year's to you all. And uh, no, I'm just kind of glad to hear that Professor Merdakia mentioned all those countries. But I also wanted to add to that, you know, as um I mean, I'm only saying this because it was told to me when I wrote this letter on human-induced disasters that I was uh, the first person who's ever written on human-induced disasters, finishing up my sociology degree there at the University of Montana uh, back in 2012. But um, And my studies in that has have proven, shown to me, and through all these years, just analyzing all these world problems and what happened to my people is that, you know... Um, it, it, again, I've mentioned this and said this before um, in other uh, sessions of Talkback, but uh, the strategies of war and what and why it's continuously to happen with all these uh, subcultures in all these countries is just uh, using indigenous people to fight against themselves. Again, um, uh, my analogy on that and studies and looking back on American history and what happened to the uh, indigenous people of America is, is, um, would only, you know, prove, uh, the purposely done act 
um, from all these European uh, countries. Well, the, reason, uh, the reason why I'm saying European countries because I'm working with this Afghanistan. Um, I'd say, well, people will call him a refugee, but he has the same story as my dad, and that's why he had to come to America because he aided America. <clears throat> and so when I asked him, I said, well, what, what would have happened to you if you stayed back in Afghanistan again? And, uh, and he's only been here for like two years, and he said, I, I would have gotten killed, and so I had to flee. And then I well, same story with same story with my dad, and um, and then I go well, Hamas, this thing that's going on with Hamas right now. He and uh, what do you think of Hamas? He goes, oh, Hamas, they just go around killing people. I go, well, who trained Hamas? And he goes, Pakistan. Well, well who trains Pakistan? Uh, UK. And so um, that's that's just what I have to add. I mean, I have more opinion. I mean, more uh, thoughts about that along with my stories, and it, and it goes down to Jeremy Scahill's uh, uh, video documentary that that he put out there, and and that's just why all these. Uh, you know, your uh, subcultures are going around supposedly being terrorists, but they're still being used as pawns to kill each other off. But um, so that's just my opinion on this uh, through my study. So, well, Voth, I, the, I really appreciate your perspective. Thanks for the call. And, uh, gentlemen, yeah. we have about two minutes if you'd like to comment on what he had to say. Your dad. Yeah, I, I, I think that. Um uh, first of all, thank you for your comments. Wow. Um, uh, I, I think that, that um, the origins of some of these conflicts um, are very different from one another. Um, Hamas, of course, is a uh, different uh, sort of phenomenon. Uh, it's rooted in the failure of uh, secular Palestinian nationalism to actually provide a viable alternative and I would say a viable secular democratic alternative. And that's very unfortunate. I think uh, the situation in Afghanistan is deeply rooted in the Cold War, but also in the Soviet invasion of that country, a horrendous invasion, uh, which cost the Afghan people uh, um, hundreds of thousands, millions of lives with uh, millions uh, becoming refugees in Pakistan and Afghanistan. At that point, uh, of course, uh, the preoccupation in the West, especially in the United States, was to defeat the Soviet Union and the Soviet Red Army. So we did actually uh, see, uh, witness the emergence of an Islamist movement in Afghanistan, but we didn't do much about it because uh, the enemy of my enemy was my friend. Uh, but that very Islamist movement, which, um, um, you know, basically transitioned itself to uh, Taliban at one point, uh, was actually the source of a lot of problems for the West as well. So um, it is uh, lack of forecasting um, that uh, has caused us some, some pain in this case. Islamic uh, terrorism and political Islam was uh, as horrendous in some ways as communism. Yeah, perfect timing as always, Samir Dad. Thank you. We're up against our hard break. We have another hour of global hotspots coming up. So if you want to get in the queue, we would love to put you in there. The number is 406-721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. You can also use the KGVO app and we'll get you on quickly there as well. Again, back with another hour of uh, of global hotspots after this.
This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO, Missoula's News and Weather Station. Right, welcome back, everybody. It is hour number two of the very first inaugural edition, if you will, of uh, of Talkback for 2024 on this Tuesday, January 2nd. Brought to you this morning by Gomer's USD diesel parts. Uh, doesn't matter how cold it gets, they'll have they have everything you need to make sure your diesel rig starts every time. Gomer's US Diesel Parts and Service at Palmer and West Broadway, Y West Storage out of the Y on Two Smokes Way, pricing and availability to start the new year. Get that storage unit at 406-510-0590 where they're making room for you. And by Phillips Janitorial, get your home and your business cleaned. Good prices and guaranteed satisfaction. No job too big or small. Call 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, we are back. This is Global Hotspots. I'm Peter Christian, by the way. That's Nick Christensen over there. Producing TalkBack here in the studio, Dr. Michael Baer. On the phone is uh, Dr. Mirdad Kia, uh, both from the University of Montana. One retired, one still active. And so uh, we have Job, who's been waiting through the break. Joe, good morning. You're on Global Hotspot, sir. What's on your mind? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, the, uh, it's pretty well known that the cartels are running the border in the United States. And it's been alleged that uh, they... Uh, and I'm not surprised that money talks, but uh, terrorist organizations around the world are more than happy. And there's a lot of money out there. I mean, Osama bin Laden was a fine example of a, a rich terrorist. But anyway, uh, that they are spending money with the cartels to get people from Uzbekistan. It's been verified uh, terrorists coming into the United States. Uh, so... Uh, Anyway, uh, if you want to comment on that or any knowledge on that would be very interesting. And if I could stay on to listen to the answer, please. You bet. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. So go ahead, gentlemen. Yeah, well, the, it's become an increasingly um, hotly debated issue or maybe less debated that the open southern border is uh, a national security problem. And the a number of people who have been stopped and, and actually caught uh, crossing the border who are on the terror watch list is, is skyrocketed in the last couple of years. And there are people from all over the world and uh, including a lot of very, very uh, dangerous places who have been caught coming across the border. And this doesn't count the people who haven't been caught, the so-called gotaways. And, uh, and so, I mean, it, it is an issue and I, I think it's one that more politicians are beginning to respond to it. It, it is a cause for concern and even uh, some in the administration have acknowledged that this is a problem. So is is it more uh, uh, basically an issue of opportunity? Uh, yeah. For, or, or is it something, as Joe mentioned, so that's coordinated by various uh, evil enterprises? I think it's both. Okay. Um, that uh, this is an oppor- this is an opportunity. It, it's it's an availability. Hey, and, there's an open border. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, and we, let, let's let's stick, let's see if we can stick some people in there yeah. and. Um, you know the the possibility of of some event is, uh, is 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 increased by that. Yeah, I think the number of uh, individuals who have been uh, who have been detained and coming from countries that we usually did not see on the southern border of the United States 
Um, it, it's quite alarming, and uh, I completely agree with Mike that this is a um, national security issue now, and um, it has been, um, but it is now a very serious one, and um, I think that um, that uh, uh, the authorities feel overwhelmed by the sheer volume of individuals, but also by, you know, sort of... Um, lack of nuance in our policy. You know, there are people, of course, who are fleeing uh, because they are coming here to um, seek employment or, you know, um, better life and so on and so forth. But uh, there are more and more uh, countries which are basically uh, sending folks in our direction who uh, have very bad and, in fact, evil intentions. And uh, I, I think the failure um, of the Congress, but also um, the various administrations, to actually create a policy which uh, responds to this is really truly embarrassing, and I have to say disgusting. Michael. Um, no, yeah, I, I was, I, I, basically, what, what I was going to ask is that um, do you believe that there are um, foreign countries who are recruiting these people, giving them the cash to pay the cartels to get them into the country? In other words, it, it's, it's, uh, it's like a conspiracy to get uh, people who could damage this country into the country uh, in, in a way that we, we just can't seem to stop. Well, we, we can't stop it because we, we're not controlling the right. uh, inflow from 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 the southern border but i i think it's it's not so much uh, it, it may be in part a question of people coming across and somebody uh, handing them money i think in many cases there are people who are uh, either you know use whatever term you want agents or whatever of a foreign government and who are inserted into this country through the southern border or sometimes uh by paying the cartels uh and that that's uh, that's something that that the uh, that the security people have been talking about for uh, several years now, and uh, it, it's it's a it's a larger problem than it was two years ago. And um, uh, as I've heard people say, and I've read people's comments, that you know, it's just a matter of time. Right. We're up against a break. We're going to come right back. Mirdad Kia joining us on the phone. Of course, here in the studio, Dr. Michael Mayer, whose voice you just heard. We also have an app question. Uh, you want to give that now, Nick? You want to wait? We can wait. Okay, we'll wait till after the break. Uh, all of our other phone lines are open, by the way. If you if you have a question or comment during this, uh, this global hotspot show, this is why we're here. We want to hear from you. We'll be back right after this. You know, when night... Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Freezing fog will continue to be a problem for the next few days in the valleys of western Montana as high pressure keeps valley inversions in place. We're expecting more clouds than any sun breaks through the afternoon, so daytime temperatures won't climb much above freezing. Overnight lows somewhat moderate in the low to mid-20s, although some locations could hit the mid-teens. Patterns start to change the tail end of the week with the probability of some snow, mainly in northwest Montana Thursday, but becoming more widespread by the weekend. Okay, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. This is Global Hotspots, and we do have an app question. Nick, well, what do you got? Uh, yeah, Kitty wanted to know uh, if you guys could talk about the end-of-year address from China's government about forming a one nation this year and our defense capabilities. It, it's a it's a very good question. Um, it, the, the Chinese government made clear once again its intention to uh, – 
take over Taiwan. Absorb. Yeah, absorb Taiwan. <laughs> they call it reunification. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Taiwanese, I think, for the most part, have a different different view of that. But um, there, there's some there's some real issues about American military readiness and preparedness. Um, uh, everything from the supply chain uh, for weapons and armaments. With you know, we sent stuff to Ukraine. We sent stuff to Israel. Um, the uh, how, how well prepared and well armed are our own forces. Uh, all of the uh, branches, except I think the Marines, uh, had trouble meeting their or did not meet their their recruitment quotas. Uh, we have the smallest military that we've had in decades, and um, all of this leads to uh, uh, real questions about what would happen if there were uh, a, a Chinese invasion or some other um, mass movement. You know, whether it was you know, a formal invasion or whether they just lined up ships outside and threatened uh, Taiwan and. Uh, there, you know, there have been some military uh, exercises that call into question our ability to to uh, defend adequately against that. Mirdad. Yeah, I really don't have uh, anything to add to that. I um, I do know that um, the issues of um, our military capability is a, a critical issue, especially. You know, I have a, I have said this. You know, I might as well share it. I think uh, China is really preparing itself for a major military campaign against Taiwan. I, I think if uh, we believe that the situation in Middle East is pretty messy, uh, watch out because uh, a Chinese invasion of Taiwan uh, will be um, several times worse than either Russian invasion of Ukraine or the situation in the Middle East. And I am not really certain what the U.S. policy is in that case, because uh, uh, that might actually involve uh, bringing South Korea and Japan, uh, not to mention perhaps Australia, uh, into this, uh, you know, sort of confrontation. And... uh, um, given uh, the Chinese determination uh, to impose their sovereignty over Taiwan and Taiwan's refusal uh, to be incorporated, uh, we are speaking about a very, very, very uh, serious uh, potential uh, for a worldwide confrontation. This is, this is, this is I don't want to sound alarming, but this is, I think what uh, I see coming our way. Bears watching. All right, let's. We have folks uh, lined up to talk. Uh, let's get Harry on the line. Harry, thanks for holding. You're on, and happy New Year, sir. Yeah, happy New Year, y'all. Uh, good morning. Uh, the uh, every time uh, Myriad starts talking about Iran, I mean, it's the same thing. Well, they uh, we can't. We're not supposed to talk to them because that's just terrible. We can't do that. We can't negotiate with them. So other than that, other than go to war with them, I don't understand what his solution is. I mean, if uh, the <clears throat> Iranian people want to go to war. They, I mean, they're, they're so oppressed and they don't like their... Why don't they have a civil war and kick them out? I mean, and we can support that. <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, I, I, don't, I don't get, you know, the, uh, we, uh, this is sort of a broken record, but they, uh, the sanctions don't work. I mean, I, North, Korea, North Korea was the most sanctioned country in the world. They're the hermit nation. They still got nuclear war weapons. I mean, as long as, and as, long as China is willing to deal with them, and China, guess what, deals with Iran and so does Russia. 
So I, I, I don't get the, you know, I don't hear a solution. I, I hear, you know, we, well, we don't want to do nothing. With, you know, we want to just shake our fist at them. But other than that, I don't, don't know. And as for the border, uh, to me, I, I, this has been the same thing about, well, terrorists coming across. I mean, why? I remember when ISIS was supposed to have a training camps in the United States because they snuck across the border, and now we're all a danger. Trouble with that is, where are they? Where are these big terrorist groups that are coming across the border? Cause, I mean, right now would be a perfect time to do it. We have, have a lot of people are you know uh, against or complaining about uh, Israel, and we have they if they're they're here why, why and we had a whole holiday season right here where you know blow up the Times Square or do you know do something serious where are they I I, I there's a ser- you know it's a a threat but then we have a whole northern border that's wide, pretty much wide open we got two uh, major coastlines that are you can sail any kind of little sailboat in with uh, terrorists on it I mean. Or we just have people who come across uh, have visas and overstay the visas. That's how the last group that knocked down the, the ter- uh, towers did it. And it seemed, that seemed a real try and true uh, thing. So I, I understand it's, it's a threat, but there's always threats. And it's to me, it seems more of a political what's 2024 political season. So you know, we gotta we gotta wring our hands and say, oh, our our country's a, a big threat from the uh, rest of the world. And that's because of. Well, Biden, of course, uh, comes down to the political part of it all. But I, again, you know, I, it's, it seems like a broken record. I keep hearing this, and I, I, w- I wonder what's uh, okay. But, so, uh, Mer- Merdod can, can answer for himself. And um, thanks, thanks but, for the call. But here. there, there are a couple of points there that need to that, that require uh, being addressed. And one of them is that you know, the, the talk about, you know, let them have a revolution. It's not quite so easy. And there have been two occasions when the United States could have done something to aid the Iranian people who were in the streets and were interested in overthrowing their government. And the United States stayed out, did not choose to aid them. Uh, there are a lot of areas between talk and war um, in terms of sanctions. Sanctions were actually pretty effective. Iran was... Uh, down to a few million dollars of, of international currency um, in, 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 in 2020, the beginning of 2021. And um, we reversed that and pumped a lot of money into that. Um, so the options for doing something other than war are there and have been tried. To, they've been rejected, particularly by this administration. And in terms of terror groups coming in, uh, there was that plot to blow up Times Square. Um, there have been a number of these and a number have been foiled. They don't advertise all of them, but to ignore that is it would simply be foolish. Okay, we're going to come right back. We're up against a break. I know Mirdad has wants to weigh in. Susan is also waiting on the line. We're going to get to her call and yours. Uh, several phone lines are open. This is uh, this is Global Hotspots. Dr. Mirdad Kia, Dr. Michael Mayer, both uh, joining us here, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, 721-1290 is our number. Back right after this. Hey, we have a hunch. Meet Ingrid, fiery spirit, caring grandma, proud trucker. I've logged more than 4 million miles in my truck. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. I was driving outside of Ohio when a gentleman stopped suddenly in front of me. But it takes my 80,000-pound truck 200 yards to stop. I'd given myself extra room, but it's not a chance worth taking. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history, 
and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash my account. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hey, welcome back. It's the first edition of uh, Talk Back, a global hotspots for this brand new year, January 2nd, 2024. I'm Peter Christian. Nick Questions and producing Talk Back over there, taking your phone calls. Dr. Michael Mayer here in the studio, Dr. Mirdad Kia on the phone. And we have, uh, oh, uh, yes, we wanted to get uh, Mirdad's uh, reaction to what Harry had to say. So, Mirdad, go ahead, sir. No, I, I really don't have any reaction to Harry. I mean, uh, if I sound like a broken record, I, I'm very sorry. Um, Harry probably loves to hear his own, <laughs> you know, sort of monologue, but uh, hates to listen to people's answers. We have provided answers, very detailed answers, and nobody talked about uh, shaking fist or... Uh, military action or intervention. Actually, the the situation with Iran is very clear-cut. This regime is very insecure and uh, extremely unpopular. And the people of Iran, as Mike uh, correctly mentioned, have tried to overthrow it. And I have to tell you, uh, the missing part is uh, the absolute refusal of Washington to support the Iranian people. Um, this is the mystery that Harry can look at. That is, why is it that a terrorist regime, which is actually behind Hamas, behind Hezbollah, behind Houthis in Yemen, and is an ally, more or less, of Taliban in Afghanistan, the worst players in the region, is actually a regime uh, that uh, Washington does not want to touch. You know, one uh, you know one theory, and I'm not going to go to conspiracy theories, is that as long as that regime is in Iran, uh, the Arab countries in the Persian Gulf region especially, but in the region as a whole, will buy a ton of weapons, billions of dollars, to arm themselves against Iran. And that's a great business for everyone. Uh, so it's good to have a scarecrow in the region. That's one theory. The other theory is that there are a lot of people, uh, including in this administration and in the Obama administration, who believe that this regime, just like Hamas, they are the, anti-imperialist, anti-colonial regimes uh, that are legitimately there because of our own past faults and evils. Uh, uh, and uh, one of them, I can, I, I should actually name him. Uh, look, Harry, because this is not broken record, you can educate yourself by looking at Robert Malley, who actually believes that Hamas is an anti-colonial, legitimate voice of the Palestinian people. You know, what do you think about that person being the leader in devising U.S. policy in the region? We have such bright stars who actually believe that the enemy is a legitimate, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, political uh, movement uh, which should not be attacked or which should not be neutralized. Uh, with friends like this, who needs enemies? So I apologize for being a broken record, but I think uh, the fact of the matter, everything is set to go. Uh, the people of Iran uh, are determined to get rid of it. Uh, almost every regime in the region, including Israel, Saudi Arabia, maybe with the sole exception of Syria, 
Uh, they want this regime to go, the Iranian regime to go. Uh, the, um, some European governments, as well as United States, uh, they do not want to see the overthrow of the Islamic regime. That's the question you need to ask, and that's the question you need to research before calling next time. All right, let's get Susan on the line. Susan, thanks for holding. I appreciate it. What's on your mind, Bab? Happy New Year. Um, well, I'm not sure it's going to be a happy New Year. Um, I uh, It is a new year, though. Um, I, I share... He is uh, comments. I agree with him. Um, I think what we are facing is a group of Americans that do not understand what is going on in the Middle East and are siding with the Palestinians to such an extent that hundreds of thousands of misinformed Americans are rioting in the streets in favor of a terrorist group. And what really horrifies me is that we are um, dealing with people who are absolutely evil, and we are dealing with a president who has no respect in the world. And for the last year, I have been traveling outside of the United States, in Australia and in Egypt. And the, the reaction that I get from people is heartbreak. America is not looked upon as a leader of the world anymore because we are doing such unbelievably stupid things because we have such a demented president that is probably being uh, directed by other people. I can't imagine that he's doing the things he's doing because he knows what he's doing. And um, I think what we are up against now, we have seen so much disintegration in the world. We did not have this under Donald J. Trump. There was the disintegration of foreign policy did not occur and there was relative peace in the world and now we have ukraine we have israel we have taiwan there's going to be so much mayhem and i am terrified at what we are facing in 2024 and i, I please don't hang up i, I want to be a part of this conversation okay well we're up against a break and we're going to uh come right back Seven two one twelve ninety is our number 1-800-568-5309 we're coming right back uh, helena jeff and george are all waiting we're going to come right back after this thinking about retirement make sure my social security account is a part of your plan a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Okay, gentlemen, uh, Susan had some very deep concerns. Uh, did you want to comment before we go to our next call? May I? Dr. Dr. Kia. 
No, I, I, I uh, um, in general, I agree with uh, Susan's um, statements. I, I do think that uh, United States foreign policy has gone into a retreat mode, and I think the insistence on uh, withdrawing fully and completely from Afghanistan, especially in a harried and panic-stricken fashion, uh, was the beginning of a series of uh, decisions and actions which actually backfired on us. Uh, I also think that uh, we are overly worried and anxious about uh, the response of our European allies. Uh, some of them uh, are, in fact, uh, very much um, uh, pretending like allies, but in reality they are not. And uh, they have remained in the NATO because of their own anxieties. But when it comes to U.S. interest, they can sell it very easily. Uh, I also think that in the case of uh, the Middle East, uh, there has been a policy of negligence, uh, at least in two administrations, uh, uh, this one and uh, the previous one under uh, President Obama, with regard to Israel alienating allies, um, I would actually add that we have alienated our, some of our Arab allies as well, Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And this has really opened the door. Uh, and people always say, oh, it's Netanyahu. It's not about Netanyahu. It's about when you actually abandon your traditional allies, you open the door to the Chinese and to the Russians. When China actually gives itself the right to come and make peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran in absence of United States, that tells you that something big has happened. And China has jumped into the fray now, and it's playing the role that United States traditionally played in the past. All right. And I, I think right. also that uh, it, what Merida said is so important because the... The Obama administration had the idea that if somehow we could kind of rehabilitate Iran, then they'd serve as a counterweight to Saudi Arabia, and uh, that would enable the United States to withdraw from the region. And uh, Obama really thought that he could reason with the the leaders of Iran, and he thought, for example, that their anti-Semitism was just for domestic consumption. He said as much in an interview with uh, Jeffrey Goldberg of The Atlantic. And his own intelligence agency, uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, was warning that Iran's stated to de- desire to destroy Israel was very real, as they put it. And um, the, the sanctions relief, and then particularly the sanctions relief uh, under this administration, which has been over $50 billion since Biden took office. Um, the fact is, when you give a ton of money to the world's leading sponsor of terrorism, you're likely to get more terrorism. And well said. Let's get to Helena's call. Helena, good morning, and thank you for holding. Please go ahead. Happy New Year, by the way. Oh, thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, I have two small related questions as a follow-up to our discussion on Hamas and Israel. Um, it's my understanding, and your guests, please correct me if I'm wrong, that in behind-the-scenes discussions, there has been a person from Palestinian Authority who has been discussed as a potential leader uh, in Gaza after the war ends, uh, a transition person who can bring some Pia, uh, Palestinian Authority presence 
uh, into there as an alternative to Hamas. The, the second question I have is related, and that is we see these polls regarding Hamas's support or support for Hamas in Gaza and the West Bank. Um, and I know they won an election back way back when. Um, but my question is, if a person if I were a person being polled in West Bank or Gaza, I'm not sure I would say that I disliked Hamas or didn't support them. So I question these polls showing, you know, 75 percent approval and on um, and that we might actually get a more realistic picture of what support they actually have after this conflict is over. Um, Thank you. And I'll listen on the radio. Gentlemen, go ahead. Those are are really good questions and observations. Um, I think. It's it's hard to know whether any Palestinian leader would have legitimacy to perform the kind of functions that um, Helena was talking about, uh, you know, to assume some sort of political role. Uh, the the um, Hamas kicked, basically kicked the Palestinian Authority out, um, then held an election. As Meredith's pointed out, when they hold elections, you need to uh, be a little cautious about uh, way, reading too much in, into results. But And they haven't had one since. They've, they, they've held power. It's hard to know, and Helena's point about the polls is a good one. But seventy-five percent um, in, in at least two polls that I've I've seen uh, say they support Hamas, and seventy-five percent of Gazans also say that they supported the uh, attack on Israel on October seventh. So it, it may be a more complicated thing than just bringing in someone from Palestinian Authority and hope things kind of return to normal. Your dad. Yeah, and there have been several individuals who have been pro- proposed. <clears throat> One is a former uh, prime minister of the Palestinian Authority who actually defected and uh, went and created his own uh, um, sort of organization. And uh, he has maintained uh, direct contact with uh, Israeli authorities and um that may be the person uh, Helena is, uh, is referring to. But the reality is, I agree with Mike, I think that uh, right now Hamas's, um, in fact, popularity has increased significantly, and I should say, unfortunately, um, because the image is that this is the only Palestinian organization which has stood up to the Israelis and is fighting back. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, the, the, at the end of the line, of course, um, Hamas, uh, by all objective considerations, uh, has failed to address any of the issues, social, economic, political, uh, cultural issues that the Palestinians um, have confronted as a people. Um, it has uh, wasted uh, or spent as they would have preferred to call it, billions of dollars, uh, which as it, it has taken from Iran, Qatar, and other contributors uh, on uh, building uh, a terrorist infrastructure, um, hundreds of miles of tunnels and bringing missiles and weapons instead of building any schools, any, um, any hospitals, any... Uh, education, a viable educational system, and God forbid, any democratic institutions. And uh, as long as uh, they enjoy a support level in the in the 60s and 70s uh, percent range, uh, I don't think there is any chance 
for any individual or movement to actually challenge Hamas. Uh, this is the this is the tragedy of the Palestinian situation. That is the only um, legitimate alternative today uh, is Hamas, as far as a lot of Palestinians are concerned, and uh, the competition, which used to be Palestinian Authority, because of its own corruption and nepotism, has basically lost ground. So there is no alternative as far as a lot of Palestinians are concerned. And as long as that's the situation, Israel cannot accept uh, any form of negotiation with a terrorist organization which wants to see the destruction of the Jewish state. And with that, well, go ahead. And, and, and Merod's points, I think, are really well taken. And the only thing I would add to that is that it's not just Iran that's funding it; it's the UN, uh, which yeah. is which has wow. put a lot of money into the palace uh, into Gaza, which has gone in, in instead of aiding the people, has gone into building a terror infrastructure and tunnels and all the rest. And also educating their children to, I mean, those textbooks that you, you, you read about and you can, you can get them online. I mean, you can see them online and, and they're just terrific. Uh, they're, they're training young terrorists. And not only does the UN pay for those textbooks, the UN, UN Relief and, uh, Works, I think it is, UNRWA, um, pays for those. But we pay for those because uh, the UN is paid for in large part by by America. So um, that, that's that's alarming as well. And and then you get the results that Merida, that Merida was talking about. And we're, well, we're up against. We're a little past a break. We're going to right back. We have Jeff and George both waiting. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. This is Global Hotspots. In case you haven't. Uh... <laughs> picked up on that. We're talking about hot spots all over the world. And if you have a question or comment, we still have about, oh, 16 minutes or so for you to get your comments in. We do have Jeff and George both waiting back after this quick timeout. 3-1. Data shows that after a child turns nine in foster care, they are much less likely to be adopted. But the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption believes every child is adoptable. Families, if you're able to let your hair down a little bit, there's a lot to learn from teenagers. The clock is ticking for teens at risk of aging out of foster care. Learn how you can help at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Global Hotspots here on the KGVO, 1290 AM, 98.3 FM, and, of course, the KGVO app for all of your mobile devices. Here in the studio, Dr. Michael Mayer. On the phone, Dr. Mirdad Kia. And uh, let's get our next caller. He's been waiting the longest. This is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. Thanks for holding, sir. Please go ahead. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yes, my sir. My end is kind of static. Yeah, go right ahead. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, a point and then a question. Uh, my point is that, you know, the answers to some things seem like they're always, you know, uh, rote and repetitious and because the answer really never changes. You know, if a person wants to lose weight, basically you eat less and exercise more. <laughs> you know, there's, there's just, you, you can try to come up with something fancier, but, you know, the answer is the answer. And if you don't, like it and it seems repetitive and tendentious uh well i'm sorry but that's what it is so um you have to understand that sometimes the answer just doesn't change excuse me but my question is more about the the mindset of the middle east you know a lot of people don't realize i didn't until i started reading about it that uh, uh the middle east pretty much supported hitler uh unanimously during the second world war they were in favor of killing the Jews for obvious reasons. Um, 
and now they uh, they have Putin as well. One was socialist, one was communist, but they were both totalitarian dictators. So my question is, is there something endemic in the Middle East culture or mindset or something that favors um, dictators and uh, totalitarianism? Is there... I know that uh, power is very important in the culture that, you know, he will, or she who holds the power rules. So is that the answer to this or is there something else that, uh, that we can use to try to make sense of this? Uh, good questions. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Gentlemen, go ahead. Those are very good questions. And I think Meredith's the best uh, situated <laughs> to answer that. So um, I think we have to make a distinction, Jeff. Thank you very much for your excellent questions. Um, with regard to the Middle East, uh, um, um, before uh, the Second World War, and in fact, let's say, um, after the Second World War began, there were uh, two really um, functioning independent countries. Uh, the rest of them were more or less under um, sort of uh, European colonial um, rule. Uh, the French and the British. Uh, Turkey and Iran are both non-Arab countries because they are non-Arabic-speaking people. Uh, They both declared their neutrality, and um, both of them have had, actually, uh, had, I want to use the uh, past tense, um, um, a very viable uh, relationship with the State of Israel. Um, for many decades. Uh, um, I went to school in an Iran uh, with, uh, with at least, if I'm not mistaken, five, six Israeli classmates. Uh, that's how close the relationship between uh, Iran and Israel was. There are a lot of Israelis working in Iran. There are a lot of Iranians visiting Israel. There were daily flights between Israel and Iran. A uh, lot of Iranians would actually go for uh, scientific research, for medical treatment to Israel. A lot of Israelis would come to Iran uh, because there were agreements between the two governments. And, of course, Iran can be, a, could be and was a very attractive uh, tourist uh, uh, destination. Um, Turkey was also um, um, in a very close uh, relationship. Uh, between the two armies also, uh, Turkey and Israel had joined uh, military maneuvers. So um, anti-Semitism or anti-Israel is a byproduct of first, I think, Arab nationalism. Uh, Arab nationalism, especially in Egypt, Syria, and Iraq, uh, was very anti-Israel. Uh, that's one. I think it's, it's something that to be uh, to be uh, remembered. And the other one is Islamist uh, fundamentalism. And uh, Islamist fundamentalism, as demonstrated by Muslim Brotherhood, for example, of which Hamas is a branch, um, has always been very anti-Semitic and very anti-Israel. Now, people would immediately say, well, the Arabs are also Semites. They can be. They cannot be anti-Semitic because they are also a branch of the Semitic race. And uh, um, regardless of how you put it, uh, these Arab governments, nationalist or Islamist, they have been very, very anti-Jewish uh, before they were extremely anti-Israel. 
Okay, with that, yeah. we're up against it, but go ahead. And, yeah. and just very quickly, that that, that is the, the, the basis for the attraction for uh, the Grand Mufti of, of Jerusalem and others that, yeah. that, who were drawn to Hitler in, um, in, in the yeah. 1940s. Okay, we're going to come right back. Yeah. We have a one-minute timeout. George is waiting very patiently on the line. George, thank you for holding. We'll get to you in 60 seconds. Other phone lines open, by the way. It's 721-1290. When you're high, you feel different. You think different, you talk different, you draw different, you listen to music different, but you probably knew that. Problem is, you also drive different, and not in a good way. That's why driving high is illegal everywhere. So if you're high, just don't drive. Make a plan to get a sober ride. Because if you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, we're back. This is Talk Back. Uh, we have about seven and a half minutes left. And, uh, let's see. Let's, uh, did what, what of you want to let, let's get right back to the phones. Yeah. Mir- 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Go Mir- Yeah. No, I, I, I just wanted to uh, finish with one sentence that, uh, when you speak about, uh, the rise of this political Islam or what we call Islamist fundamentalism, look, um, when, uh, uh, Turkey shifted its policy, uh, toward a more hostile um, uh, sort of posture toward Israel was with the rise of Erdogan, uh, the present uh, uh, semi-dictator of Turkey. And when did Iran change its policy toward Israel with the rise of Khomeini uh, in 1979 after the revolution? So clear-cut uh, sort of indication that whenever political Islam has taken over, the country has shifted shifted its policies uh, toward Israel from a friendly posture toward a very hostile and antagonistic one. Okay, uh, let's get George. He's been waiting very patiently. George, thanks for your hold, for your patience, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, just in regards to that last uh, from Merdad. Yeah, so uh, up with democracy, and so I think democracy is quite important. You know, in Turkey or wherever, so we don't have dictators. But the main reason I called is I wanted to say a big thanks to Harry. I appreciate his questions. I think he uh, provides a good balance. And, you know, we're all individuals. and We all have our point of view. Um, and I really appreciate Mayor Dad. He's uh, quite intelligent and obviously he's traveled and uh, very uh, provides some good uh, info and the other professor there as well. Dr. Mayor. Um Dr. Mayor, yeah. And so I, uh, you know, what I always say is um, we're all in the same boat. And, and like Harry, I'm, I'm interested in solutions. Um, you know, we've got this uh, Team A and Team B, these, um, or one and two, or Democrat or Republican, or however you want to put it. There's, it's just this battle of information and battles of whose team. We're all on the same team. And I think we need to, we, we all recognize there's these two teams battling. And the, the truth is we're all on the same team and um, we need to work together. And um, I think that's just what Harry was trying to, because it did start seeming a little lopsided um, there. Um, and yeah, it's true that, um, you know, uh, if you want to lose weight, you just, uh, you know, stop eating as much and exercise. That's true. Um, but you can change the channel and hear a different opposite point of view. And 
we're all on the same team. You hear what I'm saying? And yep. uh, so it's the solutions, and it's hard to keep the, the politics out of it. Well, this administration, you know, and you, if you hit this administration, meaning Biden, so many times, and, you know, I start thinking, okay, here we go, just another, just another uh, one-sided argument. And I'm interested in one that takes into balance both of those. And um, that's why I tune into this uh, show occasionally. Well, we're so glad you do. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Call more often, please. Thanks. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, we have about, oh, looks like about uh, four and a half minutes left in our time together. You want, you want to wrap up quick? Uh, I, actually, uh, I actually agree with George completely. I think, and I always uh, I to be very blunt with you, I have never looked at it as a Republican or Democratic foreign policy. I believe that the United States um, has to stand for its national interest, and its national interest transcends um, being a Republican or a Democrat. I think a lot of this is, um, yes, it's um, hot air, you know, that both sides put out there. Um, but I do believe uh, that... Uh, there are folks, unfortunately, uh, in Washington, um, especially more recently, who actually look at the United States in a very globalist uh, context. That is, U.S. national interest comes second to what the French government thinks about us or what the Germans, how the Germans would react. I am uh, a believer in maintaining uh, close uh, support and alliances with our traditional allies. These allies have uh, have displayed their commitment to a solid relationship. And while I agree with George that, and uh, with Harry, I've never uh, sort of disagreed with the fact that we need to negotiate with everyone. But what if the the, the folks you are negotiating with uh, believe in the return of a messiah uh, whose first task is to destroy Washington, uh, followed by destruction of the state of Israel, as they have put it in their missile system. Uh, and it says, destroy Israel. And the same people who have denied Holocaust, and they have said it openly every day on their radio shows, on their TV shows, that their ultimate goal is the destruction of the uh, country called United States. I don't think we, we are obligated to negotiate with those folks. Right. And I think we have to do everything in our power to change this situation. Mirda, thank you. Michael, we want to talk about our upcoming book club. Yeah, the, the next book that we'll be discussing is Gerard Baker's American Breakdown. It's published by 12, uh, the number 12, which is a division of Hachette, H-A-C-H-E-T-T-E, um, which is a, a niche publisher. And uh, Baker is an edit- is now the editor at large at the Wall Street Journal. He's held a number of editorial positions at the Journal and at other in- papers, including the New York Times. Um, it's it's an interesting uh, look at the loss of faith by so many Americans and in American institutions. And he, in part, blames the uh, institutions themselves for that loss of faith. And he looks at everything from politics to the news media to medicine. And uh, you could probably guess it's, it's some of the things he, he talks about. But it, it's, it's an important topic and because I think it, it really is true that Americans are, 
are losing faith. And you see this in many ways. People who reject the Constitution. People, people who, who stop voting. Yeah, who, uh, who stop voting. People who reject the idea of expertise, particularly medical expertise in, in the wake of COVID. And um, to a certain extent, skepticism is healthy, but uh, there, there are consequences. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on with us today. Appreciate it. A great program. Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program, sir? Uh, our friend and resident CPA, Walt Carroll, will be back uh, talking about taxes. All right. You guys get out there and enjoy this uh, frosty, frosty day. And Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 with Ace on Montana Morning.